Good evening. Guess what we're speaking about tonight? The church. Um, today or tonight we are continuing our series on what we believe. This is part of our larger strategy called Equip. And Equip's purpose is to help us make, help us encourage all people to become mature believers of Christ. And that's what we're here to do tonight. We've been going through the fundamental truths that we believe. And tonight, Pastor Mark is going to be talking about the church. What is the church and what is our purpose? I want to remind you before he starts, for those of you who use your phones and you use the Bible app to follow along with the notes, we are using the Bible app on Wednesday nights. So you can go to the same place that you go on Sunday mornings and you'll find the notes for this evening. Let's welcome Pastor Mark. Thank you, Dan. Let's, uh, let's stand together for the reading of the Word and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Peter's made this great declaration of who Jesus is, and he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He's building his church upon the truth of who Jesus is. And whose church is it? It says, it's my church. It's my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love that word picture. Because it's a word picture, not of a church cowered in a corner trying to survive in society. It's a picture of the church being on the move against the strongholds of the enemy. And that those strongholds cannot prevail against the church. That the church is more powerful. I, I say this from time to time. I believe the most powerful group that meets in a community and in a nation is not a city council. It's not a state legislature. It's not a national legislature. It's not a Supreme Court. The most powerful group that meets are Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believers walking under the anointing of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, guided by His Word, doing His work, walking in faith. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank You uh, that we can make a difference in this world. It seems like media is stacked against us. It seems like uh, culture is flowing against us. But Lord, you have risen up many, many times against those things and thrown them off and done your work. You overcame Rome. You overcame the forces of governments time and again. And you do it by the power of your word and your love and your message. Help us to truly be the church. Not our church, not our vision of the church. Let us be your son's vision of the church as a people called out to do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. This quote that I'm about to read for you, we could really take it and, and spend the whole evening talking about this. So I'm, I'm going to read it slowly. They'll put it up on the screens. I believe it's in your notes. Uh, really think about this because as you read a quote like this, it can get to be a little cumbersome and we can get lost in it. So I'm going, to, I'm going to take this slow so you can really kind of let it soak in and marinate on it a little bit. 
The church is the body of Christ. Now, now think of that in very practical terms. We'll cover this a little bit more in a minute. The habitation of God through the Spirit. This is one that we miss. The habitation of God through the Spirit. Just like God in the Spirit of God indwells us. And we need to be sensitive as we are the temple of God. The Spirit of God indwells the church, both universal and local. Uh, the church with divine appointments for the fulfillment of her great commission. Divine appointments. Each believer, born of the Spirit, is an integral part of the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. Since God's purpose concerning man is to seek and save, the, save that which is lost, to be worshipped by man, and to build a body of believers in the image of his Son, the priority of the church is. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, you could take those two paragraphs, those quotes right there, take them home, and I would encourage you to take them home and go into your prayer time and to kind of break this down and say, God, show me what this means for me. Teach me about this. Because you will mature in your understanding of the church and you'll mature in your understanding of your, your life and your role when you understand this. So here's the priority of the church. To be an agency for evangelizing the world. This is what we should be about. This is why we do world missions. It's why we encourage you to invite people to church. It's why we encourage you to learn how to have the spiritual talk with the people in your life and to be bold enough to have it, to be able to sit down with someone and simply share what you believe and why you believe it and let the Spirit do the rest. Because our priority is to be an evangelizing agency in the world. We want to help you get ready to do that. We need you to do that. You need to be praying every Sunday, God, let that happen. You need to be inviting people to church so that can happen. We need to understand this, this should be our priority. This is why we exist. This is a priority. And listen to Matthew 28 again. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. A lot has been made about this Scripture, saying, oh, we're not supposed to, uh, this isn't a call just to evangelize, this is a call to disciple. It absolutely is, but, but hear me, you can't disciple until you've evangelized. What's there to disciple until somebody's born again? And so the first step in this is for us to be a people who evangelize. Priority number two, to be a corporate body in which man may worship God. A heart of worship 
looks for a way to express itself. We talked about this Sunday with Mary. Mary sees Jesus. She's looking for a way to express that. And it came by anointing his head with oil and anointing his feet with oil. That was an expression of her heart. Worship is a heart condition before God. If my heart's not right, my actions don't mean anything. But when my heart's right, I want to express it. Let me prove that. Can I sing songs about God and not worship? Absolutely I can. I can raise my hands to God. I can bow on my knees. And it be all about me. I can give money and it not be worship. It can be duty. It can be expectation. It can be for a tax break. It can be for all sorts of things and not have anything to do with worship. I can obey God. I can look at the rules of God and say, you know what? I like those. I'm going to force them on my family. We're all going to be truth tellers. We're all going to be, you know, kind to each other. And, and And it not be worship. Now, if my heart is a heart of worship, it's look, a heart that is in awe and wonder of the greatness of God who's wanting to rightly respond to God. I'm going to look for right ways to express that. And part of the thing that the church comes together to do is to give room for right expression of worship to God. Right expression of that heart. So the believers come together and we say, hey, we're going to sing to him because that's, God accepts that as worship. I'm going to lift my hands to him. I'm going to bow before him. But it's, it's got to be, the heart condition has to be right. But then the church has to give room for that to happen. So part of the reason we exist is to come together and to worship him. Number three priority, and these aren't necessarily in order of You should almost color code them so we don't see them as an order of one over another. To be a channel of God's purpose to build the body of saints being perfected in the image of his son. In other words, in simpler terms for us, it it means that we are supposed to be being transformed into his image, into his likeness by the teaching and preaching and relationships of the church. Ephesians 4 says this, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What does that look like? It means that inside of the church, there's a growing group of people are, who are becoming formed in attitude, in nature, in conduct, in spirit, into the image of Christ because they're being built up by the Word of God and learning. They're being cleansed. This is one of the troubling things I have with the American church today is it seems like we've moved from a church who had a call of holiness to a church in many cases that wants to look and act just like the world. When we're supposed to be a people who want to be separate unto Christ. So, you know, our language should be different than the world's. 
Our desires should be different than the world's. Our reaction in crisis should be different from the world's. Everything about it should be, everything about it should be formed by the Word of God, and that's what the shepherds are for, is to help us learn how to do that. Uh, until we, in verse 13, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So we're honoring God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're trying to meet up, to, trying to live with the help of God in the image of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. Here's a great warning. There's going to be really clever doctrines, really popular doctrines, really flesh-appealing appealing doctrines that will from time to time come down through the, 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 you know, the popular areas of ministry and try to get us to attach to it that will leave us sorely disappointed and at sometimes wrecking our faith because it doesn't work. And we should be mature enough not to be carried away by all those winds of doctrine, not to be carried away by false doctrine, not to be carried away by human cunning. In other words, you can listen to the talk show people. I'll, I'll tell you, there's just Every now and then I'll hear somebody, they'll, they'll mention some talk, talk show host that is so far from God, they're, they're spouting humanism, and I'll hear some Christians say, oh, they're my favorite television person. And I'm like, are you kidding me? They are a humanist. They, 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 oh, they talk about God. They, they don't talk about Jesus. If they do, it's a different Jesus. And we've got to be mature enough not to get sucked up in human cunning. Not to get caught up in that by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped with each part, uh, when each part is working properly, making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we're supposed to become more loving to each other, more kind to each other, building, building up, getting stronger, not blown by every wind of doctrine and teaching, but solid in our faith. That's part of the priority of the church. That's why we're doing equip. That's why we're going to be unfolding all of these things. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible. Know your Bible. Because know you more the, your Bible, the more you know the voice of God. Because the Bible is God's word to us. So when you think about this, the, the common Greek word for church is ecclesia. Ek meaning, means out of. Ecclesia means called. So the church is called out of. Originally, this meaning was for a group of men. It wasn't a spiritual thing. It was for a group of men called out of homes and workplaces to solve community problems. That's how it started. Uh, it's a word used in the Bible. The, the, the church, then, are a people who are called out of the world, not to be a part of the world, out of the world, to assemble before common, to assemble for a common spiritual purpose. And we've just talked about what that purpose is. It's, what is it? To evangelize, to worship, 
and to build itself up in the faith. So, you think about the church and you read the church in, in, about the church in the Bible, there are some places where it, it appeals to, and there's only a few of these. It's kind of amazing. This gets to be a big thing, but there's only a few of these in the Bible that, that, that talks about the universal church. Important concept to understand. The universal church transcends time and space. Transcends time and space. What does that mean? It means I am a part of the same church that Paul was a part of. I'm a part of the same church that believers were a part of in the 1500s. I'm a part of the same church that my grandparents were born, into, born again into. It transcends all time. I'm part of that universal church. It transcends space. I, when I go to Japan and I meet believers, we're a part of the universal church. When we send money to help, help believers build a church, we, we're, a part of, we, we, we're, we're a part of that group. We're a part of people all around the world. And it's amazing to me when you travel around the world and you sit down with mature believers, even if you don't understand each other's language, there is a common bond. There's just a common, there's something that you just kind of know as you're talking. This is a brother. This is a sister. This is because the Spirit's there. So in Acts chapter 2 it says, And day by day, this is the very starting of the church, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they'd receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord adds to that number. The Lord is who makes you a member of the universal church. Then there is also the local church. A good portion of the New Testament is written to and about the local church. It tells the local church how to set up order, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. It tells the church how to treat each other. It gives doctrine for the church to teach. It tells us how to do communion. It tells us about baptism. All these things are teaching the local church how to act and how to treat each other, how not to have factions, how to love each other, how to respond. And I would tell you, it was all in response to trouble. When you put a bunch of people together, even born-again people, we're all at different maturity levels of faith. There's trouble from time to time. Don't let that shake you up. So I'm going to leave here because I'm mad at so-and-so. Well, you're just going to go over to someplace else, and in a few years you'll be mad at somebody over there. You know, it's just what's going to happen. This, this, you know, we, we don't make our, our commitment on those. We make our commitments around our doctrine and our vision and our strategies and our relationships, and, and we build the local church. So it's, it's teaching it is is all about how to live in the image of Christ. So we have, we're a local church. We have a calling as a local church. We have a purpose. Now listen, the enemy wants to discredit the local church. The enemy will lie about the local church. The enemy will try to stir trouble. The enemy will 
try to put bad leadership in place. The enemy will do everything he can to discredit the local church. He'll have people fail. All kind, the, It's our job. It's believers' jobs. It's elders' jobs. It's pastors' jobs. It's deacons' jobs to protect the integrity and the life of the local church. To make sure that righteous things happen. Listen, I'm just telling you, of all the jobs that I hate, and there's some in the local church's pastor that I hate, the ones I hate the most are church discipline issues. When you have to tell somebody, stop it, you have to tell somebody, listen, as long as you live in that way, you can't be in these positions. I, I don't like nobody. Who, who, you, don't go, you don't get called in the ministry down at the altar. Oh, God's calling me to be a pastor. I'm going to get at disciplined people. If, if that's your attitude, you, you did not hear from God. You did not hear from God. What you, what you get is, oh, I, God's going to put his word in my heart to bless people and to help shepherd people and to help them grow. Yeah, that's what you're dreaming about. You're dreaming about this healthy church. You're not dreaming about the unhealthy stuff. It's just like when you're getting married. You don't come down to get married and go, oh, we're going to have some really big knockdown drag outs as we're married. It's going to be great. I can't wait for some of the fights that are coming. Now, occasionally one comes. Disagreement comes. Stress comes. Oh, we're going to go through this kind of crisis or that kind. You don't, you don't sit and think about it. You, you, I tell couples getting married, listen, we say for better or worse. I know you're not hearing the worst part. You're only hearing the better part. Listen, it's better or worse, richer or poor. Hear both sides of it. They both come and go inside of a, a, a marriage. And same thing's true in the church. And the enemy tries to use all of that to discredit the local church. I'll tell you, I am very concerned, and I think we all should be, about the low priority in people's lives. You're here on Wednesday night. I mean, look at, look. Celebrate each other, and then look at the empty seats. The low priority of the local church. When I was a kid growing up, uh, you know, 98, 99% of the people who were really core members would miss maybe one or two Sundays a year. Now even the most core members at times, they tell us, miss almost 12 weeks a year. Now there's reasons sometimes for that. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's just laziness, lack of commitment. It's raining out. Can I just tell you, it, it just bugs the tears out of me when we have a Sunday. I'm, I'm just, I'm just I'm, I'm, be, be, let me be therapeutic for myself tonight, okay? <laughs> let me just lay my heart out. You, you come to church on a Sunday and, and it's rained a little bit or it snowed a little bit and... And, and so some people have stayed home because the weather's bad. And then you drive by every restaurant in town and they're packed out. It's kind of, as a pastor, you just kind of go, what's that all about? What's the deal there? So it, there's just a low 
and I'm saying this to people who have a high priority, we need to pray about this, and there needs to be a high priority to fulfilling the role of the local church. Evangelism, worship, and building the body up. I'm, I'm concerned about the, the low uh, priority to sit under preaching. Listen, I want to tell you, sitting under preaching, this may shake some of you, it, and with a right spirit is an attitude of worship. Because what are you doing? You're saying, God, I want more of you. I want to learn about you. I want to grow in you. I want to become more pleasing to you. Teach me. Teach me. Let me learn today. Let me grow today. Let others learn today. Let others grow today. And that there should be a, a priority. So, so you say, well, Pastor, what do you say? Because I'll tell you, I see so many of our young people today, all, this is all across the nation, that if they feel called into ministry, it seems like so many of them, and, and I don't want to degrade this because there, there absolutely are people called to do this. But it seems like the tendency and the popular thing is, oh, let's go do uh, music ministry somewhere. I want to be a, I want to be a traveling musician. Instead of there being a priority of, boy, it's the Word of God that changes lives or it's worship that really changes lives. Let's lead people into the presence of God in worship. Let's preach and teach the Word. Let's be people who proclaim the Word. So that's therapeutic for Pastor Mark tonight. You can all pray that I'll get better tomorrow. <laughs> the church is seen in the New Testament as, as a couple of things. It's seen as the bride of Christ. What does that mean? The bride is pure for the groom. The bride is looking to be pure for the groom. The bride isn't looking to fit in with all the other guys. The bride is looking to fit in with the groom, keeping herself for the groom. This is, a, this is about holiness and purity and being ready for the Lord to come, getting our, getting our life cleaned up. It's, it's about an eagerness for the groom to come, an eagerness to be in his presence. It's about a close relationship with the groom. The church is supposed to be that. The church is supposed to be the temple of God. Ephesians 2, 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of, God's house, of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What does that mean? That means the, the teaching that we have from the Word, from the apostles and the prophets that we've learned, becomes uh, is, the, is, is a, a foundation and the cornerstone of that foundation, that all of it rests on. A cornerstone was, was where all of the weight rested. It's not like our decor, decorative cornerstones we have today. It was a chief piece of the building. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And uh, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place by God's Spirit. So let me say this again. The Spirit dwells in us, and the Spirit is supposed to be invited to dwell in us. I don't want to grieve the Spirit in my personal life 
You shouldn't want to grieve the Spirit in your personal life. You should be inviting the Spirit in when He convicts you of something, when He whispers, guys, when He whispers in your ear, don't look at that, turn that show off. Don't listen to those kind of words. Don't, don't. You should turn it off. You should turn from it because the Spirit's whispering to you. Don't grieve the Spirit. Pay attention to the Spirit. Are you with me? We don't want to grieve the Spirit in our life. Neither should we want to grieve the Spirit as a church. We should be careful because the Spirit wants to dwell in us. Number three, it's called in the New Testament the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Ephesians 4, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the picture. This is one of the primary pictures of the church in the New Testament is this word picture that we're a body and that the body has different functions, different gifts. This is why we tell you go through starting point If you haven't been through all, whatever ones you've missed, go through it. If you haven't been through session three, go through it. Get your spiritual gift analysis. Begin to discover what your role is in the church because it's when we begin to use those roles that we build each other up. The church gets built up, and we do that in love, and we begin to see lives change in dramatic ways. Listen. Uh, there are some of you who are supposed to be teachers. There are some of you who are supposed to be small group leaders. There's some of you who are just supposed to have the gift of mercy and patience that will take on a brand new believer who is so far from God, doesn't know which way is up, has, their language is bad, they're doing things that are... They, they, and you talk to them for five minutes and you know it, it's, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know that it's bad. You know, when, my, when Michael was little, he came walking out one day, he had a magic marker in his hand. And he walked up to me, I was sitting in the living room, and he said, I've marked on everything. <laughs> Renee said, what did he say? I said, he said he marked on everything. We walked back to the bedroom, and sure enough, he'd put a little check mark on everything, the dresser, the drapes, the... The bedspread, the floor, the doors. He'd just gone around checking everything off. I guess he had a little list in his head, and he was just checking it off. And Renee, you know, usually, usually she's the merciful one, and, you know, I'm, I'm the other way. Um, but this night, she's ready to have him. I mean, see, we got to take care of this boy, right? And I said, no, 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 no. No, she said, why not? I said, he didn't know he did anything bad. He wouldn't have walked out and showed us the marker and said, I checked everything if he knew he was going to get in trouble. He had hid the marker in his sister's room. That's how that would have worked. And so we sat down and we said, never again. You ever do this again? I'm letting her loose on you. That's what's going to happen if we ever do this again. 
Yeah, and, and sometimes you'll, you'll be around somebody I'll, I'll be around, and, and they'll just say something or do something that's so not in the matter of holiness or righteousness or purity or God-honoring and they'll say and you just look at them and you go, you know, he didn't even have a clue. He just said, he just said that to pastor. <laughs> and Rand and I'll get in the car and we'll kind of laugh about it and say, hey, isn't that cute? They just, they're just got saved. It's kind of refreshing sometimes. And then you begin to talk to them about it and say, hey, you know, is that really the, one, the language you want to use to represent Christ? That's, that's, that's the voice you use to praise God. Do you want to use it to talk like that? Is that really the way you want to walk through your life? You know, I, I, I'll talk with young guys from time to time. And I'll talk to them about, hey, you, you, you're getting ready to get married. Guess what? This isn't about what she's going to do for you. It's about what you're going to do for her. And they'll look at me like, what? Yeah, yeah. Forget it. She's not giving you anything. <laughs> just, just pretend. She's never going never gonna, to. You're there to serve her from now on. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a revelation. And all of us, have you ever had a revelation? I've had lots of them. I mean, sometimes real nice peaceful ones, and sometimes where God's hit me upside the head with a shovel to get my attention. Am I the only one that's had that happen to him? That's what God, what I, what I've, I learned a long time ago to start praying, God, let me hear your whisper. I'd much rather hear your whisper than your shout. Now, God, if I'm just deaf, shout at me. But I'd rather hear your whisper. I'd rather learn to hear your whisper. So we've got to build ourselves up. Now, we're going to wrap this up. The church has a mission. The first step of the mission. What, who's the church? We are the church. We're the church. First step of that mission, we've already talked about it, it's evangelism. Now, the church is not some vague entity. The church is not a building. This building is special and holy because the church comes into it. If we stop coming into it, it could be anything. It's bricks and mortar, concrete, carpet, chairs. We make it, we come in, we're the church. This is the place the church meets. We need, we've got to have this clear in our And the church is not some vague entity. The church is made up of born-again people mandated to work together to advance the kingdom of God on earth, in the heavens, and in their lives. So how do we do it in the heavens? We do it in the heavens by worshiping God and proclaiming His greatness. It changes the atmosphere. You want to start changing the atmosphere in your home? Begin to fill your home with praise and worship. Begin to worship God. Begin to express worship in your home. Begin to pray in your home. Get stuff that is anti-holiness in God. Get pornography out of your home. Get foul language out of your home. Get all this, you know, sexual innuendos. Get stuff out of your home and begin to put God in your home. It'll change, it'll change the heavenlies. I'm telling you, the atmosphere will change. That's our call. That's what we do on the earth and the heavenlies 
and, and in our lives. So we should all be a witness in life and a word to those who are lost. And the church should call people to salvation. So we do that individually and we do that together. This is why we look at Easter. That is the most likely time of the year somebody who doesn't go to church will go to church. And we try to ring the big bell and say to all of you, invite people to church. Invite people. And then you've got to decide, am I going to fulfill one of my, one of my priorities? One of the priorities God has made for me, the church, is to evangelize. Now, am I going to fulfill that priority or am I going to ignore what Jesus said when he left this earth, go and make disciples? And so you've got to make up your mind. Am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? When all of us obey, then guess what? A bunch of people come to church. Now, I would tell you, it needs to become a habit. Not just a one-time-a-year thing or a two-time-a-year thing or a six-time-a-year thing. It just needs to be the business that we're about. We should be, how am I going to get somebody to church? What am I going to do? How am I going to share faith with somebody? This is why we tell you, learn how to have the spiritual talk. The spiritual talk is simply sitting with a friend and looking at them. You don't need any training for this. You sit with them and you just say, listen, uh, I want to tell you, I, I, I'm not expecting you to do anything about this. I just want to tell you the most important thing in my life. And then if you ever have any questions today or tomorrow or next week, but I want you to know this is what my life's really about. And, and I hope you'll discover it for yourself. Here's where I was. You know, I never grew up in church or I grew up in church or I, you know, I, I used to live this way or I used to live that way. Uh, I used to be a religious guy. I used to be, but there came a day when I discovered that Jesus Christ really walked on the earth. I discovered that he made this proclamation that he was the son of God. And there came a day when I began to realize that the only way I can go to heaven is to ask him into my heart. But more important, even, even as, as important as that is, just as important is my life couldn't find purpose and meaning without him. And I asked him into my life. And let me tell you, this is how he's changed me. I don't do this anymore. I changed some things in my life. I'm a different person because I've got this fulfillment in my life. I can call out to him. And you, tell, you just tell your story. And you tell him, I, I hope someday you discover who Jesus is if you haven't. And at the end of it, you might have somebody looking at you going, hey, I, that happened to me too. Really? Why didn't you ever tell me? I, well, you never told me till the day. And now you found a brother. And sometimes you have somebody look at you and go, oh, well, thanks. Uh, can we talk about the ball game now? That's okay. Because what have you done? You've just planted the seed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you keep praying for him. And, and you just tell this is what I tell people when I have this talk with them. You know, I'm going to invite you to church every now and then. Is that okay? I'm going to invite you to church every once in a while. Well, I guess so, yeah. Okay, good. I want you to come. Hey, if you ever have, if you ever hurting, need somebody to pray for you. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Call me. I'll pray for you anytime. You ever need somebody to talk to you going through something? Call me anytime. Here's my number. Call me anytime. 
and you, you change the dynamic of the relationship. Now, this isn't buttonholing them and say, listen, if you don't get saved right now, I'm going to leave here so disappointed and so mad and so on. No, no, no. You're planting seed that the Holy Spirit's going to work on. And you're doing that because you don't want to see your friend go to hell. We've got to get good at this. I just, I just wonder what would happen if everybody in our church over the next three or four months would, would look, and, look at everybody they know and say, I know they're born again. I know they're born again. I'm not sure whether, I'm dead sure they're not. I'm going to go talk to that one I'm not sure about. I'm going to have a talk with that one that, that I'm dead sure isn't. And I'm not going to come at him preaching. I'm just going to come at him and say, listen, I want to share the most important thing in my life with you. Will you give me five minutes to tell you? And then you can ask me any questions or we can be done with that conversation. You know what I think? I think you plant seeds that are going to be harvested someday. But we've got to be about the priority of the church. You're the church. I'm the church. We're called to do this. The second thing we're called to do is, is this, this thing of worship. Worship is a right response to the work of God in our lives. It's the right way we respond. When we know who Jesus is, when we know what he's done, the right response is this heart that wants to, you know, put oil on his head and put oil on his feet. It's a right response. It's a response of thankfulness. First Peter says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The right response to that is, thank you, God. That's the right response. Thank you, God. God, I'm so grateful. I want to bow my heart before you. I want to bow my life before you. And, and the last thing is this thing we, we just call edification. Ephesians 4. And he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. We've read through this already. I'm not going to read it all again right now. The church is not just the place to come that we're supposed to be made to feel good. I hope you feel good. I hope sometimes you're convicted to your core. I hope sometimes we walk out going, wow, that built me up today. And I hope sometimes you walk out saying, man, they stepped all over my feet today. Because what? We're supposed to be, get, the pastor's job is to build you up and to call you to the work of ministry. Your job is to grow. That's your job. So when we say to you, read the Bible, that's because we want you to be built up in faith. And so we say, hey, listen, start reading the Bible. If you don't know how to do that, talk to your small group leader, talk to a pastor. We'll help you start reading the Bible in a way that will be healthy for you. But you need to start reading the Bible. You don't have to read 20 chapters a day. If you're just getting started, just read one a day. But start. Start reading the Bible. Your job is to, our job is to call you to pray. Your job is to begin to pray. And, and not just pray, God, give me this, give me that, do this. To get along with God and to say to God, God, fill me with your presence. Teach me your will. 
I just want to tell you, it's more important to worship and praise God and ask Him to do a work in you than it is to ask for things. There, it's right to ask for things. We have every right to do it. That's where most people's prayer life gets stuck. And because of that, they never really grow in relationship with Jesus. You need to learn to pray. It's our call to evangelize. It's our job to call you to do that. Guess what? It's your, your responsibility to give of your time, of the resources God has entrusted to you, of your finances. To be generous with your life to help others. Now, if all of those are true and scriptural things, then my, my statement to you is, then do it. Begin to do it. Begin to live and be built up in the kingdom of God and begin to do what's right in, in the kingdom of God. We're the church. It's far more important how we look, how we live, what we get built up in, what we become, to be transformed into his image, to worship him rightly, to evangelize the world. We are a team working together in a local community to do those things in our lives, in the heavenlies, and in our community. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together tonight. Let's come down around the altar and let's close around the altar tonight. Bless the Lord. Hey, as we come, we just, if you love God tonight, and I know so you, you do, we just lift your hands to him and begin to express your love to him tonight. Just tell him how much you love him and invite him to form your life and to direct your life. Lord, we want to be formed in your image. We want to be directed in your will, Lord. We don't want to be caught in our habits. We don't want to be caught in our traditions. We want to be filled with your word and your spirit, Lord. Father, we want to walk in the power of your will. We want to be a healthy church. Father, we want to be healthy as individuals and healthy as a body of believers. Father, unite us in love. Build us in love so that we would be so filled with your spirit and your presence that when lost people come in our doors, they would be transformed. They would know that they were in a place where your presence was at. Father, not that any of us would ever get glory. We're not looking for glory, Lord. We're looking to give glory to your Son. We're looking to see the glory of your Son revealed to men and women. And so, Lord, build us up in faith and in purpose to do your work. We just lift our hands as a sign of worship to you, Lord, as a sign of thankfulness for your mercy and your goodness, as a way to say thank you, O God, and to express our our humbled and bowed hearts before you. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Just before we go, I want, I want you to take a minute and just ask the Lord, Lord, who would you have me have the talk with? Who would you have me bring to church on Easter Sunday? Just take a moment and let the Lord speak to you about those two things. Okay, I just want to, everybody look around for just a second. Right, so how many of you, uh, you came to Christ because somebody invited you to church sometime? Just raise your hand, raise it up real high. Look around you. People who came to Christ 
because somebody invited him to church? How many of you came to Christ because a friend shared faith with you? Raise your hand up real high. Look at that. Look at that. People were being the church, and because people were being the church, there are now more people in the church. Amen? Amen? And, and that's what we're, we're, we're called not to stop that. We're called to repeat that process. To say, okay, God, who's out there who's like, like I was? I mean, most people I know, there was a day in, your, in their life when they would have never dreamed of being a Christian. Now, unless you were raised in church like I was and you were scared to go to hell. <laughs> I mean, I was petrified that the Lord was going to come and I wasn't going to be ready. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, right? But I've known a lot of people. They, they, boy, there was, there was a day in their life they, could, they would have never dreamed that, that within a week they were going to be saved. They never dreamed it. And yet God sent somebody into their life at just the right time. And a week later, their eternity is heading a different direction. Anybody here, you were like that? A week before, you wouldn't have known you were going to get saved? Yeah. yeah it, wasn't even, it wasn't even in your mind. You weren't looking. You just kind of there in life, and bang, God shows up. That's being a miracle starter. Said, okay, God. Who's out there is not even dreaming about it that you want to send me right in the middle of their life to not necessarily to fix everything by the power of your spirit. To be used of you. Wow. How much rejoicing do you think is going to be in heaven when that friend who invited you to church that time, or that friend who shared faith with you, when they hear God look at you and say, Enter in, well done, good and faithful servant. Think they're going to rejoice a little bit? Think there's a crown for them? Absolutely. Let's get some crowns for ourselves. Amen? Amen. Father, help us. Fill us with new boldness. Fill us with new strength to be the church. Father, as we prayed already, I pray that when people come in these, this place and Jefferson Street on Sunday morning, that, Father, your presence would be so mighty, so heavy, so powerful that it would break down every stronghold of the enemy. Father, we depend on your spirit. Father, fill us with boldness to be a witness. Lay upon our hearts the people you'd have us talk to. And let us be a people of great evangelism, a people of pleasing expression of worship, and a people, Father, who walk in continuing growth in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I love you. Go in the name of the Lord. May his joy be in your heart tonight. Amen.